Give me five minutes. I'll be right back. Amelia Bond hasn't lived here in a long time. I'm not six months late, I'm 12 years late. Why did you say six months? Why did you say five minutes? Resident Zero will vacate the human residence. All the human residents will be incinerated. Look at the sky, end of the world, 20 minutes. I don't believe you. What do we do? The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast, episode number 202. I'm Kyle Jones, and of course, we're glad that you're here. And who is we, or who are we? Again, Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing great, man, as always. And as always, it's great to be on this podcast with you guys talking about what we love. Yeah. Yes, Doctor Who, and who is the best person to talk about with the two of us that would be none other than the man himself mr lee shackleford the man himself wow i I don't know if i can live up to that (laughs) i I thought that was stan lee anyway yeah great to be back with you guys talking about doctor who yeah so i think we kind of have a bit of wibbly wobbly timey wiminess going on with this episode and the reason for that is When we first recorded the review of The Eleventh Hour, it was right before the BBC announced that Doctor Who Series 12 would be coming back in uh, just a few short weeks of our recording. But we actually recorded our review in November 2019. And of course, (laughs) as of this intro, it is now June of 2020, so we've been holding on to this episode for quite a while. <laughs> so now we can go back in time and play you the recording that we recorded way back then. Play yeah. us the what? Recording? What did you say? Recording? Oh. Because and, you have a... And what do we... Yeah, go ahead with that sentence, please. You, 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 that means that you have your recorder. Oh, yeah, yes. I have my recorder, and there we recorded go. it, and we kept it. For months. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you, uh, but I will say this. I am so happy to be back doing series five. I know we are about to review in the next episode after this, The Beast Below. Can't wait to watch more fifth doctor, I mean, excuse me, series five with <laughs> the 11th doctor, 11th. Matt Smith. Can't, I, can't, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Sure, well, fine. for everyone listening, guess what? We're going to do a little bit of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and from this point forward, we're going back to 2019 for our review of Series 11, Episode 1, The Eleventh Hour. For everyone listening, we're glad that you're here, we're glad that you're back, and we are excited, I can tell, I can just sense it, to get into the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who. But before we get into that, I want to get into a little bit of news. So my question for the news has to be, gentlemen, have you seen the quote-unquote, not really, sort of, kind of, maybe, <laughs> teaser, 11-23-19 Doctor Who? The trailer for the trailer? The trailer for the trailer. Yeah. So my question becomes... Is it going to be a trailer? Is it going to be an announcement? What? Hmm. 
I, I think it's legit. I think I think um, they wouldn't have done a teaser for the trailer if they weren't if they didn't really have some content to share on November twenty third. Then mm. I hope. Oh man, I don't know. Do we need that much build up for a trailer? <laughs> I mean, I guess we got the same thing for Star Wars, but still, that Star Wars. No um, shame to Doctor Who, but yeah, it's Star uh, Wars. I get it. Uh, uh, so let me ask this: What if this announcement is a surprise? Maybe because I keep hearing these rumors. So maybe we're getting a Christmas present, quote unquote, this year. Mm. A, a Christmas episode, possibly. It would be awesome if they just said Thanksgiving episode or an episode coming next week or something, you know, that or, would an ex- awesome. or, an, or an episode coming January the 1st or January the 25th or February the 1st or whatever. Yeah. Just something. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hype. Not a lot of hype, but it's hype. And if they're going to do all this, I really want to see something sub- substantial. You know, I hope they really lay it on us. <laughs> and if that's the case, I'm I'm all here for it. So let me ask you guys a question. You know, we've made comments over the last several recordings about, you know, we did not have a Doctor Who presence really at San Diego, if at all. We had a small presence, mostly comic book related with the New York Comic Con. So is this a exercise in absence makes the heart grow fonder? Well, I remember we, we talked about this a while back and I, I said it, I, I, I hope that that's how it works out because I just feel like the BBC is doing everything they can to make people forget about Doctor Who. Um, and I know we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but I, I watching the 11th hour again, I just remembered how excited we all were for Doctor Who and uh, the response of, um, I don't know, uh, in, in, in popular media and, um, the merchandise. My goodness. There, there's still a lot of, uh, Matt Smith stuff floating around out there. <laughs> and, um, we're just not seeing that now. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know what's happening. So let me ask you a specific question, Lee, considering your background and production and putting on events such as, you know, plays and all the things that you've done in your past, you, you may be uniquely able to answer this question. And this question is, is something like that dictated by the BBC marketing monster or marketing regime? Or is it the showrunner? Like who's to blame or to praise for the way it was marketed for Matt Smith or the way it was marketed oh. for Peter Capaldi versus what we're getting now? Yeah, it's, it's publicity. It is, it is the entity itself, the, the BBC and their, their publicity and promotion department. Um, yeah, it's the, the show, what the people who are making the show, they really don't have a lot of control over what content goes out. And, you know, they're, they're not the ones buying advertising time or, or whatever they are licensing merchandise. They, you know, they're making the, they're busy making the show. Understood. Cool. So, so yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not Chris Chibnall. Mm. <laughs> Well, before we get into the actual review and get into the new era, I want to briefly mention that we had a little bit of feedback on our review of part one of the end of time and specifically on a scene that the three of us 
basically hands down said was pretty much our favorite scene in that episode, which was the cafe scene. Our friend Nicole sends word that this was actually something that almost completely turned her off to Doctor Who. So why am I not surprised? <laughs> so what do you what do you guys think about that? You know, the the idea that this was so while well acted, she says, against the grain of Doctor Who. So curious to what you guys thought. Yeah, I guess I'd like to hear more about that because I don't I don't understand why it would be against the grain of Doctor Who. Um, I mean, Doctor Who has been many, many things over the years. So which which Doctor Who is she talking about? Mm. So you you, you led mm. perfectly into mm. where I wanted to go, which was send people to our Facebook page and nice. actually check out the comments that Nicole left. Because what I responded to her was, because, of course, anytime Nicole gives a contradicting view to ours, she always says, sorry about that. And my thought was, no, that's what makes this fandom fantastic is yeah. you can have different opinions of the um you know, we would see the same thing and different people like different things. Yeah. Very much agreed. The other thing that I wanted to mention really quick before we move on, I just wanted to give a big thank you to two of our longtime patrons, Bill and Matthew. You've been supporting us for quite a while now. And I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys on the air and say thank you. You are appreciated. And we thank you for to say thank you. You are appreciated. And we tip our proverbial hats to you. So thank you very much. So gentlemen, thanks guys. (laughs) Cool. So gentlemen, quick question for you. Do you have anything else you would like to bring up in the news before we get ready to get into this show? Oh, I want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Sergio Lugo who um, did an article piggy- piggybacking, excuse me, off of our idea of our top five most favorite comic book heroes, superheroes. And he did an article, I think that's at uh, Lego.com, where he uh, kind of talked through his his favorites and also gave us credit. So I appreciate him doing that. And uh, you can check that out by going to Lego.com. Do not ask me to spell that. Well, I won't ask you to spell that because we're going to put it in the show notes. And if I'm not mistaken, there is also a link to the article in our Discussing Network Facebook group. Am I correct on that? Yes, which you can find by going to Facebook and just searching for Discussing Network in the group section. Awesome. And I promise everyone listening, we did not plan that. So, But we executed it quite well. And you know what we can execute quite well by this time is for me to be able to say, If you have not seen The Eleventh Hour, go out, watch the episode, put us on pause, watch the episode. Well, put us on pause. See, that's what I get for saying that before I actually start. So go out, watch the episode, put, well, just, you know what, go watch it, come back, because from this moment (laughs) forward, spoilers. 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 
Spoilers. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and so has my sanity, but we are back to review the 11th hour. This is the first episode of the 11th Doctor's Era, and this is also the first episode of the 2010 series of Doctor Who. This episode aired on the 3rd of April of 2010, and it is the first full episode for Matt Smith after taking over as the Doctor in the final moments of the end of time. It also introduces Karen Gillan as Amy Pond and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. So, gentlemen, summary view. Quick question. What did you think? Summary view, Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Well, that went out a long time ago. Man, that's a call back to your sanity. Oh, so, thank you, uh, sir. <laughs> but I'm joking. So, man, uh, talk about a freaking re- soft reboot or just a new doctor, new showrunners, everything. Man, this thing just feels so fresh and so much fun. It it feels like this episode could have came out yesterday. It mm-hmm. it feels so freaking fresh and new and lively. And um, Matt Smith manages to pull off the zany like no other man i'm I'm thinking of compaldi trying to do the same thing i'm thinking of jody whittaker trying to do the same thing and they do a pretty good job doing it but it never feels as natural as the way matt smith does it and um this overall view of this episode excellent introduction such a great story uh, for a new doctor. And yeah, man, as you can see, I loved it. So what about you guys? Cool. cool. Lee, what say you? You know, Clarence speaks for me too. I, I really, uh, just had a great, um, what is it? 66 minutes. It's, it's a little long. Yeah. Um, w- watching this again today. And, um, uh, it, it, it's one that I've seen many times and I feel like I know it very well, but I, I was still surprised by things in it. There, there's a, there's just a lot going on. So, what are your thoughts and feelings about this guy? Uh, you know what? More than thoughts, I'll I'll give feelings about this. You know, I'll echo what both of you guys just said. You know, I'm not going to break the mold, but what I will say is, I I really am captivated by what Clarence said about the energy and the the freshness of this episode because I'll be frank with you I didn't take a lunch break today because it was so cold outside I worked straight through lunch by the time I got off work my brain felt dead and by the time I started doing my notes and getting prepped for tonight the more I watched clips and the more I got into the story it was just watching different little things again i felt better i felt energized i felt happy and that episode did that and i just am echoing what you guys said this was just fun it was fantastic it was brilliant it was matt smith at his first and i won't say finest but just out of the door fantastic so there you go that's my thought. So question, let's talk about some changes that happened. So we know that Stephen Moffat took over as showrunner, but also along with a new doctor. Let's talk about the theme, the logo, and the introduction. We still have the TARDIS traveling through the vortex, but the logos changed, the music's changed, and the introduction has changed. So Lee, I'll let you take this one this 
first this time. What did you think of this new montage that we saw as our intro? A montage. Um, you, you mean the new title sequence? Yes, the title sequence. Uh, I and the new logo. I, I remember this from uh, nine years ago. How excited I was by the the DW that looks like uh, looks like the TARDIS. Um, I, I'm a big fan of graphic design and dabble with it myself. And the first time I saw that, I just thought, well, obviously. Now, why has nobody ever done that before? The D and W <laughs> with just a little bit of perspective on them. And, and if they're in the right proportions, it's clearly the TARDIS. That's just, yeah. ha, ha, wow. And, uh, and you know, the, the, they, they sort of adopted that as their brand and, and they uh, kind of stamped it on everything for, for a while. And uh, yeah, I just think it's all exciting. It's just a thrilling title sequence and this is the beginning of the period uh of uh, murray gold's music for the series that i love the most so and we got to hear it right up front in this episode <laughs> one of his uh several of his motifs that i like the best so what about you guys all right clarence curious um in particular the the intro i loved how the colors went from seemed like in the times past, well, especially in New Who, was more red and darker looking to this gray and blue and just popping at you, man. And, and the, of course, the TARDIS flying in. Uh, the thing with the letters, um, I have a friend from high school who used to draw shapes and put the letters in them all the time, you know, to, to spell out something. So that I thought that was pretty cool as well. But just the just the update in design and to me, the gray just pops in the intro. Uh, the music never strikes me all that much, but I do find that um, paired with the title sequence here, I, I was just amped. Uh, and that's the most that I can remember from any of the, the recent intros we've, we've seen from new who. So yeah, I'm, I, I loved it. Absolutely. So it's hard for me to, 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 think about this knowing how much i loved the music and learned to love the music but i do remember when i saw it in 2010 and the fact that i loved the david tennant uh flying through the tardis you know with the tardis flying through the vortex the way it did and i loved that i remember not liking it but it's hard for me to say i don't like it because i grew to love it you know, as I learn the music and I'm one of those fans that will listen to, you know, and try to be able to say, oh, that's 1985 version and that's 1983 version and that's 1974. You know, I, I, I like to try to be able to do that. So that being said, I do listen to the music a lot. But that all said, I maybe didn't like it that much at the beginning, but I learned to absolutely love it by the time it uh, of course, moved over to the Peter Capaldi era. So, so let's get into the story itself. And we start with the doctor crashing to earth and he crashes not in London, but he um, crashes outside of London and then into a little girl's backyard, specifically a little girl by the name of Amelia Pond. So, initial scene the doctor has crashed in the backyard she's praying to santa to send someone in regards to the crack on her wall lee 
What did you think of this initial encounter between Amelia Pond and the doctor? It's, it's an unforgettable um, sequence, I think. Um, just for a lot of us, we, we spend a minute kind of uh, shaking our heads, uh, you know, as if to clear away the cobwebs, that kind of uh, thing, because she's praying to Santa. Um, and that's theologically, yeah. that's not something I was, <laughs> I was brought up with. So anyway, but, um, but I love it. It also all makes sense. Um, she's a little girl and who, who do you, who do you reach out to? Well, it depends on who you are, I guess. But she, she is, um, invested enough in this that she, she kind of looks skyward and thanks Santa for sending the man, the, <laughs> the, the, the guy who's crashed in her backyard. Because she can see the sign that says police on it. so <laughs> And that is what she asked for. And obviously he's a uh, policeman. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, all, it's all coming together. Adorable, adorable performance here throughout um, from Caitlin Blackwood, who, of course, at, by the end of the episode, she'll also briefly be Prisoner Zero. So she, she gets to do a lot. Um, and um, had the pleasure of meeting her at Gallifrey. And, of course, she's as charming in person as you might think. Uh, as, as this character is, and um, people who have been following her over the years say this is nearly ten years ago. And uh, if you've seen pictures of her recently, <laughs> yeah, she's cast for her resemblance to Karen Gillan because she is Karen Gillan's cousin, <laughs> and um, they do have a very strong family resemblance. And it has stayed with her because the the older Caitlin Blackwood gets, the more she's looking like Karen Gillan. Yes, so. indeed. It's very cool. Lucky her. Indeed. Anyway, I'm rambling. What 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 do you guys think about the Amelia? Yeah, uh, they, they they definitely get you in the feels um from the very beginning having this cute little girl and you know the doctor uh, as usual with a regeneration trying to find himself. <laughs> and he's just over the top crazy. They're sampling food and yeah, so I just found all of that fun and enduring. And, um, yeah, the actual crash, though, um, that kind of threw me for a bit of a loop. <laughs> it seemed like Matt Smith is always hanging out of a TARDIS for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to see that again? I think we will. But, but yeah, um, just fun. And, you know, the interaction between them two is just the cutest thing ever. And, and um, yeah, what about you, Cal? So, for me, I loved the fact that after – we had had four years or five years of doctor and, you know, the heartthrob doctor and, you know, who is going to be dating the doctor basically for, because, you know, you had that with Martha, you had that with Rose, didn't necessarily have that with Donna, but you still had that, you know, chemistry and the tension between the companion and the doctor. And then you have this reset with, this fresh face kid that is so innocent. And then you've got the doctor being so innocent himself and that back and forth in the kitchen of, I like apples. I hate apples. I, you know, throwing the beans out and then the fish fingers and custard, which I thought was brilliant. I, I keep saying that word, but it was just fun. That's, that's all I can say. It was just fun. Yeah, but I'd have to say, though, we don't know entirely if we're going to get away from the heartthrob part 
as as later in the episode, the first thing we see of of Amy is <laughs> the pan from her legs upward. True. And, and then, of course, the her job and also the doctor getting dressed. So are we going to get away from that? I guess we not don't really know after this episode, or do we? <laughs> true, true. Which 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 brings up a good point. That but but I, and I am going to come back to that. But it does bring up a very I want to say awkward point but like i said i'll come back to that but before we do i want to mention the crack in the wall this is one of the first times we see something that spoilers doesn't get resolved over the course of just a season and just seeing the crack in the wall again just briefly what did you guys think of having arcs that spanned several, you know, one, two, maybe three. You know, we don't have to say exactly how this one's resolved, but, but with Moffat, we saw the long game. And what did you guys think about this transition from having these long game type of storylines? So Lee, why don't you go first on that? What did you think about that? It's, um, it's just, a. um, uh, a choice on the part of the showrunner to uh, to commit to having something that's going to um, demand that the audience be faithful to the show. You know, I mean, that's really that's really the difference between serial and episodic drama is that you know, episodic you can you can drop in and out of the show and you know see the episodes in any order you want or whatever. But with the serial, you have to start at the beginning and stay with it to the end if you're going to follow what's happening and. Uh, so this is a way of sort of uh, ensuring that you you put a you put a little mystery there and you you drop out little teasers every now and then you know you you and so this is just Moffat saying yeah I really like the way uh, RTD did, would do that up for uh, twelve episodes I'm going to do it for thirty six episodes mm-hmm. you know and, yeah and it's you you could say that it's that it's conniving in a way um, but. Um, or it's it's gambling on the show's popularity too. That you could say, well, since people are clearly in it for the long haul, let's let's do something that, you know, let's plant a seed here that's not going to pay off until, you know, for three years. <laughs> mm. So, Clarence, what do you think? Did I mean, you did you like this aspect? I don't know. Personally, for me, I found myself wanting that again with the current uh, season of Doctor Who or the past season we just had. So. You know, done right, I think it's still fun and fresh. But like, even as I complained about in our last series, we just finished with Dave and Tennant, the four knocks started to get on my nerves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, depending on how long and how strong they go with it, definitely can start to wear a bit thin. But I think it's more valuable to have a through line, something, some connective tissue between the episodes. See, I think you both hit on things that make me love having the long game, as I was calling it. You know, we had the crack in the wall and for all intents and purposes, again, no spoilers, but it kind of goes away for in in certain seasons and then resurfaces later whereas the Pandorico that we mentioned in this episode does play out over this season. I think the long game for me, and I would imagine that it is the same way for most people that watch, 
is if the payoff is good and well executed, then it's worth it. And I know that may sound elementary, but if it's not good and it's not worth it, then, then you wasted the viewer's time. But luckily, in my opinion, Moffitt did deliver on some of these things. And I agree with you, Clarence. I missed that. That's one of the things that we've said that we all missed the most out of series 11 was we didn't feel that long game. Yeah. And, and I'll just add, like, as long as with these mysteries, we keep getting nuggets that maybe in some form help us to figure out, though we're never really going to figure it out. <laughs> but what's at the end, if we get string along in a way that's keep feeding us information rather than you just keep telling us, but nothing really, you know, advances. I feel that's a totally different way to do it, which, you know, as long as we keep getting new information along the way, I'm fine with it. You know, talking about execution, and I will diverge from Doctor Who for just a brief second, which is I think fandom felt that one of the worst executed long game story arc that lasted for six or seven or eight seasons was how the resolution of Lost happened. And mm-hmm. I won't say what that resolution was for anybody that may not have seen it, but I I remember feeling like kind of let down. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. did either of you watch Lost? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had the same feeling. And it really is a great example of what you're talking about. I, I, I may have told this story before that when I, the only time I've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, um, J.J. Abrams is one of the, the guests and, uh, he did a big, um, a big panel and he talked about a lot of things that he's worked on, has been working on. And but at that time, of course, it was like season two, I guess, of Lost. And I don't know. It'd be, I, I, I could check that. But anyway, but, but Lost was certainly uh, in process and he was taking questions from the audience. And one of the questions was, do you know where the story is going? And he laughed and he, nodded in that way that John Lovitz used to do as his uh, pathological liar character. <laughs> and he said, yes, I do. <laughs> and, no, you know, I don't. Meaning, no, I don't. Yeah, which, and it broke the room up, of course. I mean, he got the laugh that he was after. But I thought, that's very interesting to just sort of commit to that. No, we don't know how this is going to end. We don't We don't know what the, and, and, and we are being teased throughout that there is a solution to the mysteries, the multiple mysteries going on lost. And the fact was there actually weren't. And from the showrunner's point of view, the, from the writer's point of view. So it, when the show's time ran out, you know, they had to come up with something that would explain all of the things that had happened up to that point. And there really was only one possible explanation. And it's really disappointing because they had talked about it before and said dismissed it. No, it. it's not that. No, that can't be it. And then they backtracked and said, yeah, that that's it. So, yeah, we did feel cheated because – because we were, <laughs> because we kept being told that there's going to be a big surprise at the end. And then it wasn't. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, you know, on, on my serial drama on relativity, um, I've written the last 20 episodes in which a lot of the questions that I've teased over the previous 40 episodes, you know, you, you guys have both um, read them. You, you know that I actually do answer all the questions. Yeah. But are people going to like my answers? That I cannot tell you. 
Well, at least you're answering the questions. And speaking of JJ, that makes me think Whoa. of 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 um just the uh, as an aside, Star Wars again. Uh, the Force Awakens, where we set up this excellent premise of Ray's parents, mm. which we're probably going to revisit that in the newest, uh, the the Rise of Skywalker. But they just totally throw it away in the second movie. You know why? <laughs> he didn't know what he's going to do with the idea. He just had yeah. the idea. <laughs> yeah. So. so yeah, it, it it's one thing to have a good premise, but uh, to f- see it through <laughs> uh, is a totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah. But but see, um, you know, I, I want to comment on something that you said, Lee, um, off camera or off recording, and I'm not revealing anything here. But you made a comment when you and I were talking, or the three of us, I think, actually were talking about your scripts and, and how you have planned to lay out the ending of Relativity. And I asked you about your plans for this story and to par- to kind of paraphrase what you said was you you may not have did things the way you initially intended but the story progressed in such a way that it ended in the way I took what you said of the way it's should and supposed to yeah yeah it's you know, a natural just... progression and a natural <clears throat> explanation not you reveal something to everyone and say, Oh, well, this is what it is. And then backtrack and say, Oh no, it's not really. It's something, you know, it's, it's, that's completely different. Yes. No, I don't, I don't like that. And yeah. And it's, you know, sort of like what they had with lost was a missed opportunity. And speaking of missed opportunities and speaking of patient zero, there were several people that inhabited the character of Patient Zero, and one of those people was someone that we know now to be Academy Award-winning actress <laughs> Olivia Coleman, who barely right. has a speaking part in this episode. Yeah, but it, it's it's certainly memorable. I mean, she's 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 unforgettable in this. Yes. <laughs> um, so you know, you used an interesting word. So I want to ask you guys, Patient Zero. How far into rememberability does patient zero remain or is patient zero or prisoner zero? Because I can't say the name, so I've obviously forgotten him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is prisoner zero even memorable? Clarence, what say ye? I don't remember. So <laughs> <laughs> what do you get? What about you guys? It is confusing because you, you do talk in a epidemiology about patient zero. So. That that phrase is out there, but um, I, I remember Prisoner Zero just because it's of uh, uh, its significance to this story. But otherwise, I don't I don't care. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of me. Uh, you know, I I will say that this was the only thing in watching this that kind of sort of kind of maybe felt dated. It was like this was the cool. Uh, look of the mm. you know of the year but it just kind of looked like uh it just felt a little dated still looked good i, I mean you know it's still, but it just felt dated a little so, bit so so help me out you said what i'm a little confused here what exactly looks dated the proper form for prisoner zero is that yes, what you're the saying proper form yeah. I, the, I don't know why just CG the, stuff, yeah. the cg stuff just kind of looked 
I don't know. And maybe it was just the form itself. This, this snake looking creature thing just kind of yeah. looked. Yeah. I thought it was fine because you know, what we'd have got like two years ago. What? A, a man with a, a eel head or something. <laughs> That's right. True. Or a man with a fly head a year. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm fine with the CG. You know, we got the big CG intro with the TARDIS falling to earth and, um, I thought it looked okay again, like from my own point of view, with probably just some small tweaks to some of the CG. I feel like I again, like this episode that came on yesterday is a new episode, and I would have thought it looked fantastic. Mm. You know, I will say that watching this episode for the first time on a 4K uh, TV, I was really impressed at how good it looked visually. Mainly because I had never seen it, you know, on a 4K big TV before. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it looked brilliant. And I hear I go with that word again, but it just yeah. looked really, really good. And I, one of the things that struck me was how daring this director and this director of photography are about getting up three quarters of an inch from, uh, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan's faces. Yeah. Um, and, um, there's just there's you, you there's nothing to hide there you know you're going to get yeah. a picture of them uh, they've got a whole different um, attitude and philosophy about uh, TV and movie makeup in the UK than we do here um, and I just love I, I just love Karen Gillan's no makeup look I you know and and I think it's one of the reasons why she's uh, so appealing in this role is that when the camera comes in that close to her and you're getting her her freckles you know huge on the screen and so on it's just like uh, she's a real person. Yes. Yeah. I just love that. But but yeah, we do get these giant shot close-ups of their eyeballs and so on. And uh and it's uh it is. It's quite striking. And and certainly something that we haven't it's a different visual style than 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 Doctor Who previously. So and you know, you kind of led into where I was going next because I wanted to talk about the raggedy doctor and specifically mm. the interactions between Amelia, who turns now into Amy and the doctor. And there is a scene where I think the use of lighting was so well done. It is the scene that the doctor is convincing Amelia, who is, like I said, now Amy, that he is the same person that appeared to her all those years ago by presenting the apple. And there's this scene that they're looking at each other and you see the sun kind of shining <laughs> between them. Yeah. I just thought that that was really well done. You mean the JJ lens flare? That we <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're back to JJ again. But yeah, I had the same thought when the big lens flare came across the screen, but you know, it's uh, lens flares happen. So what did you guys think of Amelia giving the revelation to the doctor? And I keep calling her Amelia instead of Amy, but Amy mm. giving the revelation that she <laughs> went to four different psychiatrists because, number one, she kept biting them. But uh, she went to four different psychiatrists because of her telling people about this imaginary friend that nobody believed. Yeah. Thoughts? It's it's once again the the new series taking seriously uh, some things that would always get glossed over in the original series. Uh, on classic Who, people don't don't have these problems. 
Um, or it's, it's very, very rare when they do. And, uh, but here we really get down and, and explore this. Um, what, what happens to the people that encounter the doctor and then the doctor for whatever reason doesn't come back to them? Um, we, we saw that with, with Sarah Jane and we, and we saw it with the, well, we saw Mickey, you know, uh, they were going to put him in jail because Rose yeah. is not missing. Yeah. You know, and, and then here we are with the uh, poor little Amelia who, who, who waited all night um, and then tried to tell people about all the things that had happened, including about prisoner zero, which is, I, I had, I think I'd missed that every time until now, until seeing it again, just recently that, uh, uh, that when uh, Rory is trying to take it, take in the, that all these things that he's heard, you know, from her for years, they're true. And he says, wait, so, so there's a prisoner zero too. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just the doctor. It's also okay. Mm. What did you think, Clarence? It it takes me back to think of the introductions we got to the other companions. And as much as I love them, uh, there's a lot to be said about how they introduce Amy here. You have her meeting the doctor very young and the doctor saying he's going to be back in five minutes. Think of how that would destroy a person. <laughs> and it's pretty much led her to being this somewhat of a crazy person telling everyone about this experience, which she's been led to believe is her imagination or dream. And she's kind of blocked it out mostly in her adult life. It seems like until she finally sees this guy again. So, so that premise there is so impactful to me and it makes me want to like this character even more and and man it's just so so dramatically different from what we've seen um i feel from the introductions at least of the other companions Mm, i agree totally 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 agree and the thing that gets me about this interaction this scene if you look at it from the doctor's perspective and you know, I think that's where a lot of people, myself, most, you know, I'm, I'm saying a lot of people, but I'm really talking about myself. I look at things a lot of times from the doctor's perspective. And if you look at it from that, for him, it, this is all just happening in sequence over a day per se. But for yeah. her, you know, he's met her. He goes away five minutes. He comes back and, Oh, look, here I'm back. Whoop de doo. But years, 12 years have passed for her. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on, he, he, he takes a quick trip to the moon and comes back two years later. Oh, he did it again. He does yeah. it again. You know, um, so let me also mention real quick some of the other characters that were introduced. We get to see Rory for the first time, obviously, in this episode. Curious what you guys thought about Rory as a character. Did you realize at this point what he would become? Did you get a hint of what he would become or was he just another Mickey per se? No, no, no offense to Mickey. Right. But yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he is, he's, he's the innocent bystander who's going to get uh, caught in the, uh, you know, the ricochet of, uh, of being too close to the doctor or one of his companions. So, uh, yeah, we, we've seen that happen with a lot of people. And, yeah, he, he's just, he's just going to be that guy again. Um, 
So that's about the character. I got to say about the about the actor. Watching it again this time, it really struck me. And maybe it's because I can look backwards across other great things that I've seen Arthur Darvall do, but but this is a great performance throughout. You just you're 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 drawn into him, and you. You, you care about him almost immediately and you you want to listen to him and you want to pay attention to what he's doing and it's it's just a remarkable performance he, you, you can you can sort of hear the the gears turning when he's trying to grapple with what's happening and it, he, he 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 shows it in his face and his body and, and you hear it in his voice his uh his struggle to catch up because uh, he's he's about five steps behind the Doctor and Amy, you know, and it's uh, it's just wonderful, terrific performance. All right, Clarence, what do you think? Uh, I, I agree with Lee said, but I will add that at the very beginning, I feel like he, before anybody knew what was really going on, him being the nurse at the hospital, he felt something fishy was was afoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I do like where, um, to me, that seems like he has sort of that companion mentality, uh, to kind of question what's going on, even though it's pretty obvious something weird is going on. Uh, but, but I did like him, um, in, in that role. And, and then, like, it's funny coming back and seeing this actor, uh, in this. Of course, he's on Legends of Tomorrow. And also, Cal and I got a chance to see him at Pensacon a few years back. That's right. So, yeah, it's cool seeing him in his role now. But he, like you said, great performance. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny you mentioned seeing him at Pensacon because I had forgotten that I had seen him at Pensacon until I started watching this episode. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I saw you. And that is so freaking cool. But but on top of that, I mentioned Mickey for a reason. And my reasoning for mentioning Mickey is Noel Clark as an actor could perform whatever part that they gave him. But I just couldn't help but contrast the differences between the introduction of Rory, who started out for all we know as just the boyfriend of the companion, just as Mickey started out as the boyfriend of the companion. And he is definitely not the sniveling idiot that we characterized oh, Mickey no as being. No. And the doctor isn't treating him as such. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's right. That's right. But interestingly enough, there were two other characters that the doctor really didn't interact with past this episode. And I'm curious as to what you guys thought about this introduction of these characters that knew Amy and seemed to know her quite well that I think that are going to be part of the extended cast that we never see again. So I'm just right. curious of what you guys thought. <laughs> I, I had I had forgotten about uh, Grant and Jeff until seeing this uh, again, you know, because they do they 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 pass out of the the series forever. But you're right; they are. You feel like they're being set up here to be continuing characters in the series, but they're not. <laughs> and I don't know if that was a uh, an accident or if that was you know if there were more plans for them that just got abandoned or you know mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what what do you think, Clarence? Uh, especially in the case of Jeff, where the doctor says, I'm going to make you famous. So, yes. you know, I think we'd hear about him again, at least. And I, I did, did also really love the, the his grandmother in this episode. 
but one one striking thing about this episode that we don't get, which uh, I'm pr- uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get later on, uh, is her parents. We no inkling of where they are or what they're doing. Um, at least I didn't catch it. If if it, they did mention it in an episode, no, they mention her aunt, you know, briefly, but no mention of parents, zero mention of parents. Well, and, um, it is mentioned that she doesn't have parents. Uh, when the doctor asks, "Where are your parents?" I, I would have thought we'd have woken them up by now. Yes, you're right. And and I didn't I didn't remember that either until uh, coming back to this because um, we know that that will get addressed later on. Uh, in a way that feels, frankly, to me like a retcon. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. still. Hey, a wise person once said, I'm going to repeat it again, get, just give me a, an, a reason. Yeah. You know. That's it. I appreciate the fact that at some point somebody did say, you know, we never explained where Amy's parents are. <laughs> yes, indeed. We better do something. So I was watching this last night and I didn't realize where I had seen Jeff again, but in reading up this afternoon about, you know, who all was in the cast, the gentleman that played Jeff went on to appear in the Umbrella Academy on Netflix as one of the characters in that series. So that's where I've seen him recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he has a prominent role on this series. Yes, yeah. he does. Then, so, and that was cool because I kept looking at him like, Okay, where have I se- where else have I seen you? And then whenever I read that, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, so that's who you are. So we've talked about Prisoner Zero. We've talked about the Raggedy Doctor. We've talked about the Companions, and we've talked about Amelia. One thing that we have not talked about are the eyes in the sky, are the eyes <laughs> in the spaceship, the Atraxi, as they would call them. Uh, yeah, if I had to complain about one CG, I have to say that CG was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, interesting though. They are, I guess they don't know about the, 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 the shadow proclamation because they are ready to blow up Earth, um, which is pretty crazy. I don't know. I thought it was interesting for all of their technology and being able to, track down prisoner zero i felt some of the justifications they had for not being able to find him at certain times a little weird but but on the whole i do think they were okay in this episode mm. what what do you think lee yeah the same thing uh, and it, it struck me watching it this time that naturally we think prisoner zero is going to be the big villain in this and we and we we treat prisoner zero that way but the threat is coming from the Atraxi. They're the ones who are going to incinerate the Earth. So, you know. Because think about <laughs> it. Prisoner Zero has been hiding out there for decades. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of who our big bad is in this, Prisoner Zero hasn't hurt anybody that we know of. <laughs> yeah. But the Atraxi are going to kill everybody just to just to deal with him. So, anyway. But, you know, the Doctor tries to get noticed. And specifically, he uses the sonic to um, do a lot of things at one time and short circuits the sonic screwdriver. Of course, he gets a new sonic screwdriver. So for the sake of saying, I have to ask, thoughts, new sonic screwdriver, huge sonic screwdriver compared to the previous. Questions, thoughts, and feelings. That design for the 11th Doctors, uh, that's my favorite sonic screwdriver. 
Um, I, I just, uh, I do have one of the toys and I, and I just, I just love it. Uh, I, I loved it the first minute I saw it. Uh, and you know, what's funny is that even if you know the game that we're playing here is that we're going to have to get rid of David Tennant's, uh, well, and, uh, Christopher Eccleston's, the, the previous, uh, screwdriver so that we can get some new merchandise going. Uh, even though, even when you know that the moment still feels so real. It makes sense that the, that the doctor's uh, screwdriver gets uh, blown up the way that it does. Um, it's been working, and, <laughs> and he just pushed it too far, and it, uh, you know, so you don't feel like, oh, this is just so we can have a new screwdriver. Yeah, you know, you know, it just doesn't feel that way. Mm, yeah, I have to agree. I have one of those screwdrivers. I think it's awesome, and so everything you just said. So, Clarence, what about you? Mm. What did you think of the new Sonic? Uh, as far as the design, I'll say it does feel like you move from this era where you could probably uh, do it yourself, build a Sonic, you know, grab some parts, maybe craft it into something that looks close, into when you get to Matt Smith, it looks like it's something that <laughs> that you can't really make to look close to the actual thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, true. That's right. It's a lot more complex. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Totally, totally agree. So I want to mention, before we get to the TARDIS, I want to mention a scene that occurred on the rooftop. But right before that, we get what I consider to be a hark back or a look back or nod back to the third Doctor's era where he gets basically in a hospital and he gets his new costume or his new wardrobe, whatever you want to call it, from from a hospital, and as does the Eighth Doctor. The Eighth Doctor, yeah. Yes. So what did you guys think of the original Matt Smith Eleventh Doctor costume? And specifically, I said we were going to come back to this a little bit later. This interaction between the Doctor basically having no shame as, hey, I'm here and I'm changing clothes. If you don't want to see me, turn around. That whole thing. Thoughts? I think his costume is freaking awesome. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> I see anybody cosplay as it, um, it just, it just so distinctive and the colors are crazy, but they work together. I, I really mm-hmm. love it. And, um, as far as like his transition to, you know, putting together his costume, it made me think a lot of, uh, Jodie Whittaker's. Now, get, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't she go to a store to get yes. her costume? Yes. That yeah. just seems so bad. Um, <laughs> uh, when you think of how, you know, him, uh, Matt Smith along with David Tennant put together their costumes. And, um, I'm trying to remember what how Capaldi put his together. I can't quite remember. Um, we didn't see Capaldi. He changed in, uh, the TARDIS itself. We see Tennant in the big TARDIS wardrobe room. Yes. Yes. So I don't know. But, but in any, in any case, I love this, his, uh, costume as well as, um, you know, a fun moment where Rory turns his back and, you know, the doctor's getting dressed, but Amelia, you know, <laughs> she, she's just going to look on. So <laughs> I thought that was fun. And, and again, like it put me in a place to where I wasn't sure where they were going with her character, where they're trying to do the love slash like interest once again. And of course, I mean, 
uh, Amy is looking quite great there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure where they're going, but I, I do love that whole little scene there. What about you guys? Yep. Lee, what say you? I, I think we have to, to talk about the shift in tone between the previous um, seasons of New Who and, and this in terms of uh, sex and violence. Um, because I, I think this is just my theory, but uh, it may, and maybe you know better. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I just get the feeling that somebody was doing surveys of who the audience is. And we had started out with the idea that uh, a lot of the people watching this show are going to be uh, 12 years old. And that somewhere along the way, they said, you know what? Most of our fans are in their late teens and 20s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and. <laughs> And they said we're 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 telling these stories all wrong. <laughs> we need to be thinking about how mature the Doctor Who audience is. So yeah. we so we stop playing around with whether or not we're going to be scary. When when those when the humans who've been taken over by Prisoner Zero or the the shapes that Prisoner Zero has assumed when they bear their their fangs, I think that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah, it's it's a horrible horrible thing. And um. Oh, what is it? I, I can't think now. There's something else in the in the episode that I thought was just completely uh, horrifying. I thought, wow, we're 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 really going for it now, aren't we? Well, one thing that I found uh, that I didn't mention earlier that that is classic Moffat of what Moffat does best of taking something so ordinary and making it really, really scary and creepy because I can remember, and I'm sure you guys can or anyone listening can remember as a child when you thought you saw something out of the corner of your eye oh, yeah. or you had Absolutely. that room in your house that you, as a kid or your grandparents' house or aunt or uncle or whatever, right. you had that room that you didn't want to go in at the end of the hall and you avoided mm. it. Yeah, You know, th th that was another thing that I noticed was kind of Moffat is his best. That's very true. Yeah. Although I always say that's that's the uh, Russell T. Davies playbook. But but yeah. So maybe it's just sort of new who in general. Maybe so. About, yeah, uh, true. But but you're but you're right. Um, but but there are a number of things in this in this episode that I think are just genuinely frightening in a way that we really kind of haven't seen before. Um, and just kind of gross too. the uh, uh, prisoner zero is uh, uh, scary and just kind of uh, revolting and um it's it's all it's all very upsetting. Giant eyeball when you open the door and you get a big eyeball looking at you and so on. Yeah, uh, it's just some 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 shock. But there's also this um, the introduction of grown up Amy takes the show in a place that it had not been previously for 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 all of us who had been uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, we. For a lot of us, it jarred the first time the doctor kissed one of his companions uh, because it seemed to violate the basic rules of the show, you know, as, as maybe Nicole would say um, that to me that that kiss in uh, the TV movie is like, well, no, this is not Doctor Who because he doesn't do that, you know. Well, then we would get the the new series, and yeah, yes, he does. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. least at least starting with the tenth Doctor, and um, so uh, it's not. So we just don't we just don't tease or titillate. We don't the the, the show doesn't play with the idea of 
people being sexy for the sake of sexy. Uh, and, and then we, we transition very abruptly from Amy being a little girl to being a kissogram. Boom. Yeah. Just, just like that. And the doctor, you know, responds to that too. He says, you know, when I saw you, you know, you, you were a little girl just a minute ago, yeah. he says, or something like that. But, uh, and it's such an interesting choice that of, as we're learning that she's been deeply troubled, that she's been traumatized by the things that the doctor has accidentally done to her, it, it seems to take the shape of, of kind of sexual acting out. Interesting. That, I mean, it, it, uh, you have to be a certain kind of person to to take the job of being a kissogram, you know. Yeah, and dress uh, up in these awesome costumes. <laughs> yeah, um, but not just a telegram or a singogram, a kissogram. Right, and yeah, it, uh, yeah, singing telegram, and you know, there's also a stripogram, and it's the same thing. You you know, you 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 send somebody a uh, a message that is delivered by somebody who's also going to take off a lot of their clothes in the process. <laughs> so she's she's not doing that, but it is her job to show up in a costume that is designed to titillate and and to deliver a message or whatever and she also kisses the person that she you know is sent to. And my understanding of the way kissogram works and this is kind of a UK thing. I'm not even sure if we do this here, but um you can you can have a kissogram sent to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, <laughs> <Okay>. so <laughs> so then the question becomes: Where does this end? It um, so so. Are, are I'm not. To... I'm not suggesting she's a prostitute. I'm just saying that yeah. it's that that the show has taken us to this place where you go, wow. She she's not being forced to do this against her will. She's chosen this. That, wow. So you're saying she's broken because of the experience? Not not broken, but it's just that it's it has played out in a kind of an interesting way. Mm. Because R- Rory, you know, is he's not being a prude; he's being appropriate. He's saying, "Hey, the man over there is taking his clothes off. Aren't you going to turn around?" Oh, and we yeah. get this close up of Amy's face as she says, "Nope, nope, yeah." And it's it's she's not apologizing for it. She's saying, "No, I'm not." That's because this is who I am and this is what I do. Nope. I am checking out this guy's butt. So it, go it, ahead. I was just coming back to the, the, the comment I made about being broken. And maybe I say it in a sense more so of uh, Rory is a nurse. He has a pretty good career path, it looks like. But mm-hmm. she's apparently the same age, I'm guessing. But oh, yeah. Hey, kiss a ground. Right. Yeah. Why isn't she a nurse? Yeah. yeah or doing something right. more substantial. Yeah. And, you know, could it be showing, and again, for anyone listening who is in the UK, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with being a kissogram. We're just saying that what made her choose to be a kissogram. But, you know, I'd look at that and I'm, I was listening to you guys talk and I was thinking to myself, maybe this is Doctor Who's attempt or the showrunner's attempt to break the mold a little bit, not necessarily in saying that being a kissaram is good or bad, but just that she was an ordinary person. She wasn't the I'm a student or I'm working in the shop or I'm you know, well, you're you're showing something else different. Well well let me ask you guys this. With the exception of Martha in taking a look at the other companions, like what kind of paths were they on? 
when the doctor picked them up. I know certainly in New Who, if I look at most of them, doesn't seem like they were doing anything really substantial, unless I'm just forgetting. Um, yeah, maybe maybe you can lie me about classic. Cause well, well, Lee, let me let me jump in real quick because mm. I, I specifically wanted to make a comparison. And Clarence, I'm glad you asked that question because this is you know we're talking about the sexualization of Amy in this, and even for the doctor, for that matter, and the interaction with the changing clothes between the two of them, but. You know, and that was in story that we're talking about. But yes, it also, you had, you know, visual for the two of them that the audience could see. But outside of story, because there was really no reason other than she was on a boat. But when Perry was introduced, she was in a bikini. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, and think about it. That was in 1984, 5, 83, 4, 5, somewhere about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, take that for what it was. Well, uh, yeah, and you know, our, our friend Louise Jameson, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It, there was even BBC press office was very upfront about about Leela that they said, you know, every we understand that this is a show that families watch together, but the show is mostly a show for little boys, and of course, there's Leela for the dads, right. And you know? <laughs> it just so happened that there was a some kind of sporting event that came on either right before or right after Doctor Who. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's the football match people who are hanging around to watch Doctor Who. Yeah. So let's let's give them Leela. So so yeah, it, it's not the first time that the show as the show has I mean, it's certainly not the first time, <laughs> which is why the doctor has this this bevy of beautiful women who have traveled with him as uh, as time goes by. But um, and handsome guys, too. But um, but this is the first time where the sexuality or uh, not sexuality, but this maybe sensuality is what I'm trying to say of the character becomes a point, a story point. And that's so much more that requires so much more maturity of the writing, acting and, you know, the writing and the performance and from the audience. And and I find it really interesting that you uh, brought that up and because they're valid points, but I think you said and hit something there at the very end of what you just said when you said it's the maturity of the writing, the acting, and the production of it. Because I didn't interpret that as being over the top sexual, you know, sexualization. I, I did notice it because, you know, I'm human, but, but yeah. yet I didn't see it as quote unquote, Oh my goodness, they went too far. Yeah. Now, if there's a scene, you know, in the future, and I'm just spitballing here where she gets him into her bedroom and she lies down in her bed and tries to pull the doctor down on top of her. If that ever happened, <laughs> Then I would say that we've, I would feel that we've crossed a line. And if that were to happen, I would say we would want to have a conversation about whether or not that they thought, hmm, maybe we don't want to go this route and change course correction. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the the la- literally the last thing we see in the episode is what is unmistakably and obviously her wedding dress. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and she's running off with her him in her nighty, to which she says she's in her nighty. Yeah, 
Oh, J- just as Jackie did before. I shut up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, I do think she, she has a, I don't want to say she's, she's not, I don't, she's not broken. There's, she's not, she's not messed up, but, but in term, but Amy's sexuality is very interesting. I'll say she's just, it's just very interesting. So, and, and then we get that great moment that Dr. Axa, Axa, um, you're not, well, he, he makes a statement, you're not doing anything tomorrow, are you? And she just like gives this pause for that brief moment. Right. She <laughs> lies to, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she might know rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, Maybe. Which is uh, amended to Amy lies. Yeah. But I would go so know. far as to say she probably does know rule number one. And I'm not going to say anything other else other mm-hmm. about that right now. But I will say, speaking of sexy, because the doctor says, oh, you sexy thing, we see the new TARDIS. So, Clarence, what did you think about the regenerated TARDIS? I love all of Matt Smith's TARDIS designs. And this was the first one I think I really, really loved. Um, it's, 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 it's beautiful, spacious. (laughs) I love the glass paneling on the floor. Uh, beneath the console, I just I, it's bright and beautiful and less mechanicy, mechanical. Is that what I'm looking for? Uh, it seems more modern aesthetic. Okay, Lee, what say ye? Yeah, exactly the same. I the the big thing that I really like about it is that there's a, 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 a an upstairs and a downstairs, yeah. and that you you can get under the console and. Um, and they would use that to good effect as as the series went on, but yeah, I just love it. Mm. So for me, so for me, this was my least favorite of his two Tardises. I wasn't a big fan of it whenever I first saw it. It did grow on me, you know, as it, as the story went along. I did like the second version of his TARDIS better than this desktop theme. But if I had to pair it over the 13th Doctor's desktop theme, I would take this one any day of the month, year, or century. Um, because I like it so much better than that. Um, I did like the kind of change in the look. Uh, the brighter blue, the return of the St. John's emblem on the front door i thought all of that was cool it it looked really really nice um but yeah i I thought i thought it was cool really really cool so before we give our final rating of what we thought of this and as well as our favorite quote and our favorite scene i want to ask you guys what do you think in rating this or what how do you think this rated for an introduction of the first episode of a new doctor. And I know we've kind of hit on this at the beginning in our summary, but just how, how did you like Matt Smith's first episode as if you were thinking of it as this is an introduction of a new doctor? I, to me, this is how you do it. This is, this was the ultimate. And, um, it's, um, we, his interaction with with little Amelia at the beginning, when when he's as he says, "I'm still baking," um, it, it gives us all of the the kind of um, quirkiness uh, that we expect from a character who looks like a human being but is in fact an alien, and it it reminds us that he's an alien, and 
I just think it's so much fun that his, you know, his demanding certain foods and then immediately deciding that he, he doesn't like them. He spits his yogurt out on the floor and things like that. It's just, you know, he's just, he's, he's nuts. He is a madman in the box. And that's, I just think that's, it's, it's, it's so charming. And there's so much that happens in this hour. It just, it just never stops. It's a, it, it's a thrilling episode. All right. Clarence, what say you? Yeah, I'll say in comparison to Tenet's first episode, um, this one, if I remember correctly, Tenet was like sleep half of the episode. Right. Yeah. He's, <laughs> it's, it's a Dr. Light, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so we get wall to wall Matt Smith. And it's never not fun. It's always entertaining and fun and zany. And again, like I said, he's one of the doctors who sells that crazy um, so good, so good. And it, I don't think it's been replicated well since him. Yeah. Uh, but and I believe him. I'm, I'm there with him. And yeah, I, I feel like as far as being action packed and being up close and personal with the doctor the entire time. And especially when we looked at new who uh, introductions, I think this is one of the best. Mm. So he makes me, and I think we've just in my head decided, so, you know, back to those people in my head, we've just decided that the next <laughs> classic Doctor Who that we need to watch needs to be a second Doctor serial. And the reason mm. I say that is I think Matt Smith went on record soon after taking the role and especially after this season aired and saying that he patterned his doctor to some degree after the second doctor. And I see that and I see that a lot, especially as the 11th doctor matures and knowing where Matt Smith takes this version of the doctor. It's just so much fun seeing him at the very beginning and seeing these little tidbits that I know that are going to progress into greatness as he continues in the role so so yes i i I think hands down i love having as you said clarence wall-to-wall doctor in this very good as from a regeneration you know point of view so my question then becomes favorite scene lee shackleford what was your favorite scene i was just trying to figure that out myself um i think favorite scene um there's so much that happens in this episode. There's so many things to choose from, but I think I think uh, uh, Amelia trying to feed him is um, you know it's it's iconic. It's one of the great scenes of all Doctor Who. You know, you're yeah. Scottish, fry something. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that that resonates for us here in the Deep South too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but so so you know, I guess I have to choose that. I I, I just love it. All right, Clarence, your favorite scene, what say you? Uh, I think my favorite scene, just for the utter shock of it, is when the doctor says he's going to be back in five minutes. And, of course, we find out as many years later, he walks into the house, gets knocked out, and he opens his eyes to this tall redhead. (laughs) He is, for a few minutes, trying to figure out who it is, which... I think he knows immediately, but you know, they, they play with us for a minute and he's trying to figure out who this is. And I, I just love that scene. I love their interaction and, um, you know, how it sets up the rest of the episode. Cool. So for my favorite scene, it is the scene on the rooftop 
And it is the scene where they show all the previous doctor's faces and it ends with him walking through saying, I am the doctor. I just love the visual of that. Uh, it, I'm sure someone's going to think that that was cheesy, but I love the cheese that, that, that hands down. I just absolutely love that. The other one I just got to mention as a brief honorable mention, there is a scene when I was watching this originally and for years after that just didn't make sense to me. And I'm not going to mention what the scene is because anyone that has not seen the entirety of Amy's story, I don't want to ruin that for you. But there it's very is short. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is a scene and it made no sense to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then I read an article that Stephen Moffat did shortly before Amy was leaving that said, I wrote her, I wrote her exit into her entrance. And after I read that and I then went back. So we'll get to that in probably 30 or 50 episodes from now. <laughs> right. But having said that, I got to mention the scene because I think, again, that was brilliantly plotted and um, the whole kit and caboodle. And again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but if you, you know, Rose had a theme, Donna had a theme. If you go and you look at Amy's theme, that's further evidence that he planned it from the beginning. If you look at the name of her theme. So that said, let's go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, And I I just want to briefly mention, and I think we brought up earlier, but the whole idea of the perception filter being on the door. Oh, yes. That talk about creepy. You've lived in this house your whole life Mm -hmm. and there's a room that you didn't know existed. That's scary. (laughs) And then they play with the idea of the perception filter throughout the rest of the episode. But I just thought that was creepy. Very Indeed. Creepy. Favorite quote, Lee Shackelford. What's your favorite quote? I just love this. And and maybe you got to put it in the right context. Moffat had been on record as saying that he, his Doctor Who was going to be like a fairy tale. And he mentions, he, he loves the name Amelia Pond. And he says, it's, it's very fairy tale, a line that stayed with her. And she throws it back at him as an adult later. But it, it is, um, uh, magical in a way that the series hasn't been before now. And, and that calls for you to be a different mindset, you know, and, and and that's sort of who this doctor is. He's, he's a little boy. And, uh, when he's trying to persuade her to, to travel with him, uh, kind of to our surprise, I think she says, no. And he said, you wanted to come 14 years ago. What happened? And she says, I grew up. And this is my favorite line. The doctor says, don't worry, I'll soon fix that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Clarence Brown, what say you? Uh, mine kind of piggybacks off of your favorite scene, mm. which is what another mm. thing I think Matt Smith is like so iconic for in addition to his zaniness and craziness <laughs> is his doctor moments. His I am the doctor speeches are just um, unmatched in my opinion. <laughs> and this is the first one we get from him. Um, and, and yeah, when he breaks through that hologram that's showing the different doctors, like you said, Callie comes to and says, hello, I'm the doctor and basically run. <laughs> and yeah, that, that 
sets the tone just for the rest of his run for me and uh, love it. Yep. Cause sort of like, you know, I could hear somebody saying in the future, Doc, um, something about you could turn an army around at the mention of his name. So anyway, but that's a, that's a favorite quote for a future episode. But what I will say for this one is for so all of time and space, everything mm. that ever happened or ever will, where do you want to start? Or I couldn't, I could not choose between these two. Amy Pond, there's something you better understand about me because it's important. Excuse me, because it's important. And one day your life may depend on it. I am definitely a madman with a box. So that leads into final rating. So I'm going to start. Love it. Brilliant. Five out of five. Matt Smith, Dr. Amy Pond, and Rory Williams. There you go. Five out of five. What say ye, Clarence Brown? Five out of five, sir. Five out of five. Just awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Simple as that. Sweet. Awesome. Lee Shackelford. I'm going to give it a seven Ooh. Um, because uh, five <laughs> out of five for the episode and uh, two more for Karen Gillan's legs. <laughs> so say we all. <laughs> so say we all. <laughs> okay, so then I'm going to yeah. give it an 11. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for eleven it versions for the eleventh doctor, he's here, he's not going anywhere for a while, and he only, as most doctors do, improves with age. And this is one where out of the door I loved this doctor and we'll, we'll debate this as time goes by because I, I i in fact got tired of him real fast oh see see uh-oh. see this, see uh oh <laughs> see this gonna it's gonna get interesting on discussing who because i yeah. love this doctor more as time goes by so yeah it's the, well, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see to see him to, to watch these again so mm. But you know, you remind me that something that we did not talk about is the title of this episode, which I, I always thought was a particularly lovely touch. It's it is of course the eleventh hour because we're going to spend an hour learning about the eleventh Doctor. But that phrase, which I use with my students all the time, <laughs> it means you've waited until the last minute. And they did in the story. Twenty and minutes left. The story. It's the, the. It is a story about the countdown and him sort of daring himself to solve this problem within twenty minutes. And of course, he does it in eighteen and pats himself on the back <laughs> done it without the TARDIS, without the sonic screwdriver, yeah. and with two minutes to spare. Boom! Without his toys. Without his toys. <laughs> yeah, but he does it in the eleventh hour, and uh, I think that's. Uh, it's it is I I just always appreciate a good title and this is a this is a terrific one. So. Well, you know, it's what I find interesting. That since you brought that up, is this is Moffat's way of using because he he did that with both of his doctors. He did the um, <clears throat> you know, the eleventh hour for the title of this, <laughs> and in Matt Smith's final episode, there is a poem. That basically says, you know, 11's hours over now. The clock is striking 12s. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that I love the meta context there. And right. the episode would have been titled had it not been the 11th hour. And I'm so glad it was. It was the doctor returns. Yeah. Boring. Boring. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's not boring is. Where else you guys can be found on the internet? So Clarence Brown, where might you be found? 
I will continue to say to check us out on Facebook by going to Facebook and searching for discussing network in the group section where you can contribute, give feedback and all the other stuff to the various shows that we do here. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Lee Shackelford, what say you? Do you know people should be following me on Twitter? It's as uh relativity pod. That's all I'll say about that. So sweet. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, you know what? I will say just off at the top of my head that if you like relativity, go to relativitypodcast.com and check it out because it's awesome. And these two guys are awesome. And I love doing this podcast with them. And I love everybody that listens to this podcast because it's cool. And I'm just having so much fun doing mm. this. His meds uh, have worn off, haven't they? Yeah, because, you know, my meds have worn <laughs> off. The people in my head are talking and they're saying that I must say, thanks everyone for listening. And we will be back next time. Yay! You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.